You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. You are listening to episode four in the Ultimate House Hacking Guide for Denver. So today's episode, we talk about the best locations around town where people are buying house hacks. And during this presentation, I actually go through and mention a few maps where we go through and plot where a lot of our clients have purchased house hack properties. If you wanna see those, make sure you check the show notes or read chapter four in the Ultimate House Hacking Guide for Denver. So this episode, it's myself, Joe Massey and Jeff. Joe is our lender at Castle and Cook, and Jeff is our house hacking coach. All right, enjoy this episode. So a common theme you hear us talk about is you have to keep in mind, it's a balancing act because what do you have to do when you buy a house hack? You actually have to live in the house hack. Well, if that doesn't work for your situation, whether that's due to uh, your spouse, your kids, great. That does not work then. Or if you find a great property that's, you know, in Aurora, but then you work in Golden, well, that might not be a great commute for you. So you have to find those properties that balance your personal needs versus your investing needs. And I said this before, and I'm sure I'll say this for many years to come, the very best investment property often does not work for your personal needs. Uh, And that does not mean that you're not sucking it up enough as a house hacker, that you're not tough enough and sacrificing enough. Is No, you have to live there. And my advice is don't be completely miserable for a year. Um, find that right balance because the key here is buying multiple properties and not completely hating it while you're doing the process. So we'll talk about where to find these properties. And there's two ways to look at it. There's the short-term perspective, which oftentimes is while you're living there. Uh, so that's more of the personal needs. And then there's that long-term perspective for once you move out. So most house hackers on the property for one or two years, maybe three years before they move out. So, hey, while they're living there, does it work for the personal needs like we just talked about? Now, once they move out, what's that medium term and what's the long term look like? Because I can tell you, like, those really cool parts of Denver, you know, that are like just the cool place to live. You can walk the breweries, the coffee shops, all that stuff. It might be great for the short term in terms of, like, quality of life. But they're usually not great long-term rentals. They just, the numbers don't work out. So you want to look at, you know, the price to rent ratio. So agree, if I buy a place for this amount of money, what can I rent for? And so Joe, if I go out there and I buy a $4,000 house that rents for, you know, $2,200 a month, well, if I go out there and buy a $800,000 house, it should rent for $44 a month at least, right? It should double, the rent should double like the prices does, right? Theoretically, but it doesn't actually work that way. So what, what do house hackers do then? Uh, you know, most house hackers we see the sort of de- point of diminishing returns is about $400,000, maybe $450,000, um, maybe four eighty five dollars if you've got a really good property with an ADU or something like that. Um, but there's not a direct correlation. And my favorite example to give, um, I always love asking this in class, Wash Park, good rental area or bad rental area? And everybody's like, oh, it's a great rental area. Well, is it really? The average price in Wash Park is like $1.2 million. Average rent in Wash Park is like $3,700 a month. All right. So I'm getting a very, very low price to rent ratio, or I'm getting a very, uh, very low rent compared to the price of the property. 
Now, maybe I buy a property in North Aurora for $280,000 and it rents for $1,900 a month, right? Now, I have a much better ratio of my rent compared to how much money I've got to spend to purchase the property. So you've got to find that good balance of how much is the property going to rent for after I move out? Um, how much does the property cost? And I can tell you, buying a seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars home is not going to make sense for house hacking, not for a single family home anyways, maybe for a multi-unit, but not for a single family. So Jeff, what's your perspective on this as you've gone yeah. through quite a few property types? This is an interesting thing I've noticed is the popular areas, when you, when you get break it, really break it down, you pay a really big premium to live in the wash parks, flat parks, um, near downtown or bars and restaurants and breweries, stuff like that. Um, but Denver Metro is such, so easy to get, you know, from Westminster to like downtown, um, uh, Lakewood to downtown. So it's people still pay and, uh, breaking it down by renting by the room level. People are still paying pretty good room, rental room rates not having to live in like a prime popular area. So people like just because you live next to a brewery doesn't mean you can get $200 more a month uh, relative to living in like Lakewood. Uh, that's something I've noticed is people still pay by renting by the room level is pretty much uh, not that big of variance compared to like a popular area and just a suburb. And that's uh, something that uh i've noticed and then also just renting the units out same thing as long as you're close to major cross streets highways public transportation that usually makes all the difference um in the sense of it's all about casting a wide net to get as many renters as possible and the more people you have interested you could probably get a, and as long as you price your rental appropriately you'll get plenty of interest and then get someone in there and that's more important than trying to you know shoot for the stars and get maximize you know the highest rent possible because thirty seven hundred dollars a month in wash park that you know how many people could really afford to pay that and if that place goes vacant how long will it take them to find somebody else even though it is a popular area so there's just some things to think about and i think it's the next module we're gonna be two out for this we'll actually talk about how to calculate your rents and the different types of rents you can bring into your properties <clears throat> So just again, keep in mind, when you buy a place, look at the price and also look at the rent for once you move out because you want to make sure it actually is a good rental property because most people buy a house act uh, as a future rental property. So another thing to keep in mind is, the uh, oh, this is one of my favorite things. The trend is your friend. So I spent a couple of years try trying to do some stock trading, and that was a a phrase that was often used in the stock trading world was like, hey, ride the trends. Well, it's a very true concept here uh, when you talk about real estate. Now, with day trading, we're talking about trends that are minutes to hours or days. And I got did not do very well on those. Now, with real estate, I think it's a little bit easier to identify trends. Um, so, if, I mean, they're not hard to see. It's like, hey, if you go to an area and next door or next door, you know, the next neighborhood over, they're just going through amazing transformation. Oh, and now this neighborhood, you see a couple dumpsters because properties are being flipped. You're seeing properties being updated. Oh, you're seeing 
uh, higher end stuff going like neighborhoods are changing. Well, what does that tell you? Well, that tells you that, you know, that neighborhood is changing. It's trending upwards. So you want to buy a place if you can, where it is trending upwards. Like, Hey, great. This place is not a rhino yet, but maybe it'll be a future rhino or maybe not quite that dramatic, but it's an up and coming area. And Jeff, I mean, your current house act, it's one of my favorite parts in town. It's Southwest Denver. It is like one of the last affordable pockets of, of Denver. Um, you know, the price points are low relative to the rest of Denver. And you see the neighbors changing. They're like, talk to us about where you're at. Yeah, it's right in the pocket of, um, like you said, Southwest Denver, 15 minutes from downtown, 10 minutes from the light rail, um, close to awesome pho and Mexican restaurants and close to Belmar. So you're kind of, the proximity of it, I think, is a great, like the, you're describing, trying to predict trends. And it is like, if you look at all the Denver neighborhoods surrounding downtown, all of them are pretty much really expensive, except for the name Southwest Denver area, um, which is just a little south of Sloan's Lake, if you look at it on the map. Um, and it's just long term. I look at it exactly what you mentioned, and that that think long term is yeah. It's not you know I'm not this isn't Wash Park here. This isn't Sloan's Lake. You know I'm not getting uh you know the the cream of crop restaurants and bars over here. But long term, that I could definitely see the trends going that direction because people always need a place to live and. People like living near, um, you know, popular areas and close to things and close to other people. And this is one of the last pockets of Denver that's still reasonably priced. And think about this, like going back to that long-term perspective, if it's an area that's changing, it's an area that's in demand, well, that usually means prices go up and rents go up. I've never heard a landlord complain about either of those happening or both those happening because those gives you a lot of options down the road. Now, in the last modules, we'll talk about when you buy in these areas and 10 years later, you have a, a lot of price increase, how that can actually really accelerate you building your rental portfolio. So, you know, I'd say if you can, you know, look for areas that are transitioning, they're up and coming. Again, you don't need a crystal ball for this. You can see parts of town. Uh, neighborhoods that are trending upwards and that are changing. Uh, other things we like to look at, and this is not you know like an A priority list, but if we see these things and all things are equal, like, hey, great, we'll buy in this type of area because it can lead to some better opportunities. And that's just government programs. Because what does the government do? They spend money or they reduce people's taxes to spend money in areas. I mean, that's really what the government's good at. So, you know, uh, one of the things we look at and this is more for rental properties, but if it makes sense as you're looking at house acts, buy an opportunity zone. Not that you're gonna take advantage of what opportunity zones have to offer, but what that means for the area. So a couple of years ago, the federal government passed a, uh, a bill that allowed states to designate areas as opportunity zones. And these are areas uh, that the town or the city wanted to funnel development into. So these are like underdeveloped areas. And so they give some amazing tax benefits uh, to people that will invest money in there. And so if people are investing money there, well, what does that do to the neighborhood? It usually changes. It usually makes it better. So if you can buy an area and ride the coattails of big money going in, hey, ride that. Um, another thing, oh, here's a great example. 
what's the municipality doing? So in 2019, Lakewood voted and passed on Proposition 200. And Proposition 200 uh, is a a proposition that really limits uh, development in Lakewood. So if they are going to constrain supply, but there's still demand, what does that do? Well, Econ 101, that usually means rents and prices are going up. Uh, and so that's another thing to look at, not just you know talking of going back to like the trend is your friend. And one of the reasons we really like Lakewood right now, because where's Lakewood? Well, it's between Golden and Denver, which are two very desirable places to live. And their average price point is both higher than Lakewood. Lakewood's in a great location, access to mountains, access to Denver. Lakewood passed this proposition last year. They're going to constrain supply. Hey, there's a chance we may see it may see above average appreciation over the next 10 years because of that. Will it? I don't know. Um, but it's a very safe bet that maybe gives us more upside. Um, other things, and this is just one example of many, is the Colfax Avenue Business Improvement District. Now, this is either, I don't know if it's a local level or a, a state program, but it's a program that's helping to develop the areas along Colfax. And so, again, that is funneling more money into these areas. So you can look at all these things and say, hey, if I'm buying properties, hey, the more of this I can get to make sense for me, uh, the better it is for my, my rental portfolio in the long run. So I uh, spent some time today, went back and mapped out the last couple of years of some transactions that we closed uh, into Google Maps to drop pins. And if you guys can't see this, uh, once the recording is up, it'll be on the blog post, so click the show notes. And so what you're seeing right now are pins of all the house acts we sold, I think about the last two years or so. And what you're seeing here, I'm gonna zoom into a closer map here, is that the vast majority of them are on like the north side of town. So, I mean, Joe, you're looking at this map. How would you describe this? How would you describe the location of people? I mean, closer to the mountains and west of I-25 for the most part. Yeah, exactly. The vast majority have been west of I-25. And then we've done quite a few right around North Aurora, uh, around the hospitals at like Colfax and 225. Mm. You can't see, but there's actually a whole bunch of pins right there. Yeah. Um, For the reasons we just talked about in the last slide. It's a changing area, opportunity zones, Colfax Improvement District, uh, hospitals change neighborhoods, low price point. You know, give that area 10 years. Um, but the vast majority, we're talking Lakewood, Arvada, Wheat Ridge, Westminster, Thornton, uh, North Glen. Right, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I say it because that's one of Jeff's properties up there is in North Glen. Uh, and then we've done a couple down south uh, in Littleton area and Castle Rock. And those have been more for families. Uh, but the vast majority are on that west side, north, and then out in the roar by the hospitals. Now, this got me thinking, and I kind of had this picture in my mind, but then I went back and plugged in some addresses where we have bought rental properties. And these are just rental properties that we've gone out there and helped our clients buy at you know, a 20 or 25% down payment. And those pins are in red. Now, what do you see? It's almost like an opposite of what we're seeing the house acts, where house acts are a lot of times like north, northwest. This is east, southeast. So a lot in Aurora uh, uh, and mostly in Aurora right there. So, and this goes back to one of the first points we talked about is that, hey, these rental properties, from a pure rental standpoint, these are better rental properties than the house act properties. So why did the house hackers not buy these rental properties? 
Well, because it doesn't fit for the personal needs. And that's the crux you have to keep in mind as you go out there and buy your house act properties. So Joe, I'll ask you this, what's the best location? It depends. Just like the best loan, just like the best property type. It depends, man. I think you really need to look at your goals. Um, hey, are you doing the nomad strategy where you're going to move into the house? You're not going to have anybody there. And then you're going to move out and then rent it. Um, are you going to house hack it? So you want to make sure that you're close to major arteries like light rail and the highway, like Jeff mentioned. So it's going to be easier to rent those out room by room. Um, it depends. I think it depends on your overall strategy. It depends on where you want to live too. You know, hey, you're a mountain person. You want to be outside all the time. Fantastic. You probably need to be on the west side of town. Um, or maybe you work out at Buckley Air Force Base and uh, you don't want to drive all the way from Golden to the Air Force Base an hour a day. So you want to buy something over on the east side of town. It depends. You've got to look at look at everything uh, and figure out what works. And, you know, I'm going to put Jeff on the spot. You had a house hack up in uh, North Glen that worked great for a year. And somewhere in there, you got transferred and started working down in the Denver Tech Center, I think, right? Oh, even farther. Park Meadows, like right next, like way down, even further than the Tech Center. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, how long was that commute? Oh, so if I left at 5 30 in the morning, it'd only be like an hour. If I waited till like six, I think it was, it was an hour and a half each, each way. Yeah. Man. And so, so when you when you bought that property in North Glen, that was a great location. It worked great for you because you worked somewhere up in Broomfield, I think, right? Yeah, like right uh, uh, 84th and Federal-ish. Yeah. And then yeah. things changed. And so you bought your next house hack way down in South Denver. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then so, uh, making that... Yeah. So that's a great example of where you, know, you don't want... You kind of want to buy a house hack near where you work, ideally. Um, and not because eventually you're going to get sick of that drive. I don't know for most people. <laughs> yep. I think you're right. Well, not only sick, but there's actually like, you know, there's, there's a physical cost to your car and your time is worth something too. So it's like, Hey, great. You saved $30,000 on property, but you're spending an extra $15,000 a year in commuting costs. That's not a good deal in my book. There'd be a physical cost to my mental health as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, that wraps up for this presentation. Guys, before I close out, any final thoughts? No, I think you know, it goes back to what we always say. Really review your goals, review your plan. Um, think through it. There's no right answer. You know, We've got a lot of people listening tonight, uh, tonight, and I'm sure we'll have a lot of people listening to these recordings. This is probably going to stimulate more questions than answers. Um, but that's the whole point of this is we want to give you, you know, things to think about and each person's going to be different just because Jeff did it one way uh, doesn't mean that's going to be right for the person listening. So think through what you want, how you want to do it, um, your timeframes, et cetera. And then to add a little bit to that, uh, it's really, what's interesting is what you think might be best for you after you go through your first or second house hack, you're, you kind of change, you might change your goals. You might change locations. Um, the thing I enjoy most is kind of just trying new locations out. So I don't mind moving or moving to different neighborhood. I don't need like, Oh, I have to live in Southwest Denver or Lakewood or any other spot. It's just, uh, what works best for me. And, um, and that's, something each person needs to think about is what's what do you where do you work at how far is your commute i think would be a, a big part of it 
Um, and then what do you enjoy? What are your hobbies? Do you like, like Joe said, do you like going to the mountains? Then maybe you should live somewhere next to I 70 or 6th Avenue. Um, do you like more, you know, bars and restaurants? And maybe you should live, maybe pay a little higher price to live closer to downtown or a popular neighborhood um, area of Denver. Um, so just, yeah, some things to think about. And the interesting thing too is, you know, this is a lot, you know, it's not like you're stuck in this. That's where people look at it wrong is like, oh, well, if I make a mistake, what if I buy the wrong property? Um, every house hacker that I know, um, no one's regret, made that regret saying, oh, I shouldn't have bought this. And they've all have made it work, whether it's um, the location they wanted or, or not, they've made it happen. So uh, me, house hacking is a great long-term strategy and you know, just make it the right fit for you by choosing the right location and finding a great realtor and lender. So great points that on guys. Thank you. And thanks everyone out there for listening. Again, if you need help with running your house at contact Jeff, get up with the financing, talk to Joe, help finding properties, talk to me. All right, guys, have a great one. And we will see you in the next module. Hey, thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, if you have any questions or need clarification, shoot me an email. Or if you want to grab a physical book copy of the Ultimate House Hacking Guide, also send me an email. My email is chris at denverinvestmentrealestate.com. A couple other services that we offer, if you need help putting together your investment plan and buying your first or your next house hacking property, reach out to me. That's what we specialize in. If you need help with lending and financing, reach out to Joe Massey. That's his specialty. And if you need help in stabilizing and operating your house act property, reach out to Jeff White, as that's his specialty. Now, all their contact details in the show notes. If you have trouble finding them or you just want to keep it simple, shoot me an email. I'm happy to answer all your questions and also connect you with Joe, Jeff, or whoever you need to talk to. All right. We'll see you next episode.